0: of prayer and fasting. How many of you are excited about that? (laughs) Yeah, it's always great to fast and pray and, you know, just sort of let God do something fresh and new on the inside of us. Our prayer and fasting starts today, ends on the 9th of February. It's 21 days. Um, Technically, it starts at sundown. Um, So, uh, if you would like to join us in prayer and fasting and make a commitment, this is what we ask you to do, to pray 15 to 30 minutes a day and to fast something, Uh, okay? So, um, ushers are going to come forward and pass out the clipboards. Um, We'd like to have an idea of who's joining us in our prayer and fasting, so we can send out things periodically and um, just uh, inform you and give you some encouraging thoughts and words Uh, And pray for you during your time of prayer and fasting. So, if you haven't signed up already, now if you have, you don't need to sign up a second time. If you haven't signed up already, please go ahead and do that if you are going to join us. Um, So, also, there is a great conference coming up called Sexuality Everywhere. Some of you should have that in your guest packet. I'm not sure if everyone does or not. Um, But, Um, You can look at that and look over the topics and the various um, points that I think will be helpful. Right now, uh, Nick just, uh, Nick's the pastor of High Point Church, just texted me this morning and said that there's about 276 people already registered, and it's about a month away. So, really want to encourage you to sign up for that. It's an incredible event. We've been uh, talking about it for several months, since basically last September. Um, and planning it. There's a lot of thought that's gone into it. Let's go ahead and watch this video, give you just an idea of what we're talking about. Sexuality is everywhere. In everything. The first thing the human mind is programmed to recognize. Through it, we understand identity. Calling. Relationships. Our maleness and femaleness on page one of the Bible. Their complementary union on page two. Culture says unchained sensuality leads to pleasure. Pleasure to happiness. But misplaced sensuality causes incalculable harm. Confusion. Broken families. Abortions. Sexual assault. It also undermines concentration. Promotes favoritism. Disorders true value. Creates behavioral bondage and warfare between the sexes. Objectifies humans. Destroys childhoods. eviscerates well-ordered morality. It disorders our minds aggravates our appetites, poisons our hearts, and makes love impossible. But. But. God sent his Christ into the world as a man. Jesus embraced his sexuality perfectly. Perfectly. Jesus redeems the divine gift and disorder brokenness of our sexuality by his power. His word. His teaching. His spirit. His perfect example. Together, we'll talk about sexuality everywhere, to the glory of Christ, for the happiness of all people. All right, so um, if you would like to attend that, you can go online to sexualityeverywhereconference.com and it's $40 to register. And I think they're just trying to cover some of the costs. Um, I know they're pouring a lot of money into it, as well as we are contributing some things as well. Several churches in the area are. Vicky and I are doing a breakout session um, that deals with sexual entanglements, especially with respect to marriage. Okay, how to deal with sexual entanglements, and so uh, we we all can benefit from this information. We all can can grow and learn some things that will be helpful to our lives, and so. I challenge each and every one of us to perhaps go online and register. Hey, if you don't have one of our outlines, please slip up your hand our ushers will get you one. These are little uh, half sheets that uh, basically are fill in the blank and some verses um, that I'll be going over today. So if you want to hang with us and go deeper into the Word, you can do that. Um, in case you haven't heard, uh, the, the Word for the Year at Metro Believers Church, God always seems to speak a word that sort of sets our course charts our course out for the year and, and gives us some some marching orders, if you will. Um, but the, the word for this year is rekindle the fire. Come on. Rekindle the fire. And uh, the sense that I had as I was praying about this, and I said last week that I had a lot of extra time to pray this year because I was in the hospital for a while and I was kind of laid up a little bit. And so I had uh, had time to pray, right? And so as I was praying about this, I sensed the Lord speaking to my heart a prophetic word um, that simply is this, and I want your hunger and your desire to be seen, hunger and desire for me to be seen in 2019, okay? And so I really sense, and we'll talk more about this uh, next week especially, um, but as the weeks go on and we walk out this new year, um, but I really sense like God is wanting to do a fresh work in each of our hearts. Is anybody out there? Thank you, Matt. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, a fresh work in each of our hearts. How many of you could use that? Just a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, a fresh encouragement, a fresh… We talked about first love last week, you know, losing our first love, leaving our first love. Last week, we talked about being cold or, or, or lukewarm instead of hot in Christ, and and we found out in Revelation that, that there's some consequences to all that. I and mean, we'll talk more about that next week, as I said, but I really want to encourage you, especially as we enter into this season of prayer and fasting, to think about that. Think about rekindling the fire. It's a great time as you're fasting and praying to allow God to do something fresh and help you return to perhaps to your first love if you've, uh, if you step back a, 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 you know, a step or two. And we all do it from time to time. We get distracted. We talked about that last week. We, we lose our focus in Christ. And before, you know, we're sort of, you know, just sort of, you know, lukewarm and just kind of treading water and in our spiritual life. And I feel like God wants to do something special in our lives. So next week, especially, we're going to talk about that whole idea of rekindling the fire. But today, we're going to talk about the rhythm of life. Come on. The rhythm of life. Many of you like football. And um, by the end of the day, today, we'll know who's going to the Super Bowl. And uh, my guess is it's going to be Kansas City and the Saints. Yeah? I don't know about you, but I'm sure you have your own opinions. But years ago… I had a favorite player um, back in the day, and his name was Jerry Rice. He's the former wide receiver for the San Francisco 49ers, and Rice Rice is remembered not only as one of the greatest ever to play the game of football, especially in that position, but also for his hard working, okay? As a matter of fact, his work ethic was legendary. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Just phenomenal work ethic. and uh, and preparing himself for um, the game of football as well as for life. And he had a quote um, that resonated with me. And here's the quote. It's in your notes. It's on the screen. He said this. He said, Today, I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Let me say that again. Today, I will do what others won't, think about that in your own personal life. So tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. Notice the sacrifice of today. Notice the sacrifice of immediate gratification. He's saying today I'll do something that may take me away from other things, and I'll have to discipline my life to get there, but as a result of that, it'll pay great dividends in the future. There are many people that think that that making it big in the NFL is just simply a matter of talent. It's, it's you know, it's just talent. It, this guy is talented. This guy's not. But but that's not there is to. It. That's not all there is to it. Obviously, talent is part of the equation, but it's not the only part of the equation. Talent is just the kernel or the seed, if you will. But hard work makes it grow. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Hard work makes it grow, or discipline makes it grow. It start, you start with the basic, you know, seed of talent in one particular area of life or another. But it's when you're disciplined and you work hard that it causes it to grow. Now, there, there's one word, one key word in this quote that stands out to me that I think makes all the difference in the world. Anybody want to know what that is? The word is today. (laughs) Everyone say today. Today. Yeah, the first word in the quote is today. Today I will do what others won't, so tomorrow I can accomplish what others can't. And here's the deal. Creating a life that you want to live comes down to this. One word. And what you do with it, it's called today. Everyone say today it's what you do with it, what you do with today. John Maxwell said, the secret of our success is in our daily routines. And what we do with our daily life and the things that we commit to and get done or discipline ourselves with and the things that we don't, the things we just sort of let slip. And that's the same thing is true with rekindling the fire. And we'll talk more about that next week. But there's a great, great series called Today's Ma- Today Matters" that we did years ago, praying about doing it again and just talking about walking through the areas of our life that, that we need to consider, because today matters. Now I've gone through seasons of my life where I've had a great, great season, just just full of the presence of God, full. it was phenomenal. and I've had other seasons in my life that I was flipping and flopping like a fish out of water. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, the difference, I think, is comes down to the daily rhythm of life, how, how well we're in tempo or rhythm of life doing the same thing. Here's what I found out, doing the same thing again and again and again and again, as long as it's the godly stuff, will actually consist of tempo in our lives and give us that rhythm, that groove, if you will in our lives spiritually speaking. So the big question of the day today is this, is your life in rhythm? Or is your life out of rhythm? Maybe some of you know what I'm talking about when it comes to music. Let's have the couple of guys come up from the, the worship team and just sort of illustrate what I'm talking about when it comes down to rhythm or tempo. Um, I don't know about you, but I love music. I come on. How many of you love music? All sorts of music. And I love, I love music well done. And so, um, these guys are going to illustrate what it looks like to have what, Judah, rhythm, rhythm, yeah. And they're going to sort of give you an idea, a sampling of what it looks like to have rhythm and not and to be out of tempo okay so let's go ahead and do it How many of you know that, that just wasn't really good, right? That wasn't... How many of you think that wasn't in rhythm? All right. How many of you think it was? I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> <laughs> i prayer-line here. All right. So, you know, juxtaposed to the difference, let's go ahead and listen to this. One name is high. One name is stronger. How many of you think that was in rhythm? Yeah, let's give these guys a hand. Come on, thanks, guys. Appreciate your help. Now, there's a lot of lives that, that are like the first idea, the first song that they played. Okay, a lot of a lot of lives are like that. It's sort of out of rhythm. They're just there's no rhythm. There's no there's no good groove. There's but just like good rhythm is essential to good music good rhythm is also essential to a great life. Did you hear me? A lot of people ask me, you know, what's the secret to a great life? And here's here's the answer. It's simply taking the next 24 hours that you have in front of you today and doing something great with it. Living in sync with God, living in sync with the scriptures, living in rhythm with the people of God around you and and making making the most the Bible talks about it, making the most of your day because the days are evil. And so if you want to have a great life, the secret to that is stringing a bunch of 24-hour days together. Amen. And at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you'll see that you can look back and say, yeah, I really had a great life. So good rhythm is essential to good music, as and it's also essential to a good life. And that's why today we're, we're beginning this series called The Rhythm of Life. It's about setting the tempo of your daily life and getting in the habit. Everyone say habit. It's just like in prayer and fasting, when you get into that habit of prayer and fasting and Praying and talking to God. There's a temple that comes. There's a there's a there's a rhythm that comes. When you do the same things over and over, day after day, and you get into that rhythm, whether it's you know getting up early and having a great devotional time with, with the Lord, or maybe it's late at night spending time with Him, there's a rhythm to your life. Here's what I found out when you get into a rhythm, when you get into a groove, your life makes good music. Your life sounds good. It's enjoyable to listen to. It's in, enjoyable to watch. Um, I heard that someone just went away this last couple weekends and watched, what was it? Justin? The what? Trampled, Trampled, by. Trampled by turtles. That great music. I don't know. <laughs> Trampled by turtles. But, it, you know, when you have good music, people want to come and watch, Right? People want to come and enjoy your good music or whatever that might look like. Now, think about that and translate that into our lives. When people, when you get into good rhythm, um, people want to be around you. So, have you ever noticed, where do we start? Have you ever noticed that the drummer oftentimes clicks his sticks and sets the tempo, one, two, three, four, right? And kind of gets you started. Well, I think there's something that we can do that clicks our sticks, as it were, and gets us started on the right note. So if you're taking notes, it's in your notes, this is a fill in the blank. It all starts or begins with an attitude of gratitude. With an attitude of gratitude. I think it's important for us to realize how important it is to have a a heart filled with gratitude or thankfulness, to have an attitude of gratitude. Psalm um, chapter 9 verse 1 says, I will give thanks. The psalmist is saying, I will give thanks to You. I will give thanks to You, Lord, with all of my heart, and I will tell of all Your, what? Amazing deeds. Here's the big idea today. Find something every single day of your life, in many things, if you will. Find something every single day to be thankful for and give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. I'm convinced that Vicky and I's life is, is blessed like it is because we are thankful. We, we know we don't deserve what we have. Amen? We don't deserve it. It's not because we're so smart or so good. We are thankful to God for all that He has done in our lives. Even even some of the difficult seasons, we're thankful that He takes us through those difficult seasons. So the big idea is to have a thankful heart and to find something every single day that we can be thankful for. And my goal today is simply this, to help each one of us make gratitude a lifestyle gratitude a lifestyle so so that this is something that just comes naturally to us that we're thankful about our lives and thankful about the people that God has put in our lives and the bible challenges us to have a grateful heart there's a couple of scriptures there in your notes colossians 3 Verse 15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be what? What? Be thankful. Colossians 4:2. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and what? Thankful. Hebrews 12:28. Therefore since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, Let us be what? Thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and with awe. And there's a quote here by Sir John Templeton. He said this If you're not grateful, you're not rich. If you're not grateful, you're not rich no matter how much you have. Some people have a lot of zeros in our decimals in their bank account, a lot of money but they're not rich. A lot, lot of cash assets, a lot of, lot of, you know, net worth, yeah, boo, you know, it's amazing, but they're not, they're not rich. They may have a lot of money, but they're not rich. Why? Because they're not thankful. They're not thankful. And I would say the opposite is also true of this quote. If you are grateful, your life will be rich. And you will become increasingly richer, even if you only have a little, when you're thankful. Just think about being thankful and what it does to the inside of you, when you're thankful. When you say thank you, when you have an attitude of gratitude, what that does spiritually, say, You don't take things for granted, and you don't think anybody owes you anything. You don't have an entitlement mentality or philosophy. When when you're thankful or grateful or have an attitude of gratitude for every area of your life, do you know what happens when we're a grateful person? You enter into the presence of the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, Psalm, Psalm 100 verse 4 says this. Enter His gates with thanksgiving. See, gates represent door. Enter, you enter into His door. You enter into His house. You enter into His presence. When you have a thankful heart, enter in. That's what I love when we come together and we start our service with worship and praise and thankfulness. And we can, we can honor Him and be thankful and pour out our hearts of thankfulness to Him. We're talking about rhythm here. We're talk, this is the first step. This is the click in the sticks. This is, this is what it's all about. The more grateful you become, the nearer to God that you draw. Please understand that. And We're talking about rekindling the fire here in 2019. And the more grateful you become, the nearer to God you, you come to the throne of God. So today, I want to suggest a couple of things that might help us be more thankful, more grateful, or how you can actually live this out in your own personal lives. First of all, start keeping track of every good thing that comes your way. Just start. Start keeping track. We, you know, most… Most people don't do that. You see, the more successful we become and the more affluent we become and the more blessed we are, our biggest challenge is to learn to still appreciate and to be truly thankful for all the good things that God does in our lives. You know, we we get blessed or we're able to do this or do that or go here or go there. or be able to buy this or buy that. And then sometimes we, we just forget to thank God for everything that we have. It's almost as if we, we think it's because, you know, we did this and we did that and we did this and we did that. And you know what? That may be true. But guess what? Guess who gave you that opportunity? Guess who gave you those smarts? Guess who gave you that brain? Guess who gave you those resources? Hello? It all goes back to who owns it all, amen, and who, who's created us, God. I often talk to people who think that they don't have anything to be thankful for. They evaluate their lives in terms of what they don't have, constantly thinking, I don't have this, I don't have that, and they are constantly comparing themselves with other people. They have that, and they have this, and how come they get this, and how come they, before you know it, they're just in this sour mood. And they have a sour attitude. All they see around them is lack. It's just, you know, lack. And you can do that, no matter how much you have, you can do that. It's a challenge to grow up with a thankful heart. Unless you had incredible parents that taught you this skill, this this life attitude, this, this first step, this beginning, this rhythm to life. You know, from an early age, oftentimes we are exposed to a culture of complainers. <laughs> uh, I was. To a culture of gripers and grumblers and critics. I was. And that was sort of the backdrop of my life. And so I sort of just that's the way I was raised, and, and, and that's the way Vicky and I started our lives, just being, you know, critical and cynical and suspicious and, and just, you know, complaining all the time about everything and seeing lack, nothing but lack, and, you know, living in that sour mood, that sour attitude. I mean, we'd complain about, you know, and we do this today, complain about the weather. <laughs> you know, it's too hot, it's too cold. Now, this morning, you had reason to complain about the weather. <laughs> <laughs> right, Mark? <laughs> uh, we complain about gas prices. Well, if that's what you complain about, you, you, can, you can change your complaint now to thanks because the gas prices have come down, right? Uh, we complain about traffic, you know, and, and it's amazing because, you know, traffic is relative, right? I remember living in a little town called Marshfield, Wisconsin, in a town of, what, 18,000, 19,000 days? Back in the day, and I, I remember when we moved there, uh, you know, one day, Vicki and I were talking and she was trying to get home and she was complaining about the traffic and I thought, we just moved from Detroit, Michigan. Come on. This is not traffic. <laughs> right? But, you know, we focus, we focus on stuff like that. And before we know it, we're complaining. We, we see lack. We see problems. We see issues that we don't like. And it just turns us sour. Before you know it, you're complaining about your job and your neighbors, your bills, your, you know, your friends, your church. You're complaining about NBC. You're complaining about me as your pastor. And, you know, you've just got nothing good to say. It's just all about, you know, complaints, whatever. And it sours you. And we're we're kind of trained that way. And if your kids are acting that way, parents, then maybe you need to look in the mirror and ask yourself, what am I? What am I teaching my children? How, the question is, is: How can we, who have received so much, be thankful so little? Here's a quote that I took from a a message I preached years ago, but here's here's the quote. When we are ungrateful, the heart of God is saddened, the Holy Spirit is grieved, and the joy of the Lord is quenched within us. When we're ungrateful, a lack of gratitude is the greatest hindrance that people have today in feeling good about themselves or their lives. I heard a quote on the radio a few years ago back on 102.5 it said, maybe we don't need more things to be thankful, but maybe we just need to be more thankful. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? First Thessalonians 5.18 says this, be thankful in all, everyone say all, all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. People constantly, when I talk to them, want to know, what is God's will for my life? To be thankful. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, oftentimes they're talking about who should I marry, or what job should I take, you know, or what should I do with my life or whatever, you know, a school, where should I go? But in reality, those are all number twos compared to this. All right? They're all down the list because it is God's will, the Bible tells us specifically, it is God's will that you what? Be thankful in all circumstances. Yeah. God's will is first and foremost that we be thankful. So what causes us to miss the mark? It's a lack of contentment. It's it's a lack of contentment. It's the need for greed. It's not having an attitude of gratitude. It's interesting to me in this land of plenty that often we live so focused on what we don't have. I find myself doing that from time to time. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough time. We don't have enough success. We don't have enough happiness. And this kind of backward thinking will never help us have the rhythm of life that God wants us to have. It won't set the tempo of our lives. The simple truth is, the more you focus on the good things that you have, the more good things will come your way. That's a fact. The more you focus on the good things that you have, the more good things will come your way. And this is what I want you to take home today. The more you appreciate your life, the more your life will appreciate. Did you hear me? The more your life will appreciate. So keep track of every good thing. Just start writing some things down that that happen to you that are good. Keep track of them. Thank God for them. Second, begin and end each day with a moment of gratitude to God. This is a great little simple thing that you can do that will set the temple, that will bring you into rhythm in your relationship with the Lord every morning, every morning. I've trained myself. I'm in the habit of every morning when I start to wake up, you know, I'm waking up. I'm not up yet, but I'm waking up, you know. I just start to think about all the good things that God has done in my life, and I give Him Thanks. I really want to encourage you to do that. Just to, just to think at the beginning of your day, just be thankful. Start just thanking Him for, for your life. Thank Him for things. Thank Him for what you're going to be doing. Thank, thank Him for a job if you're going to work. Thank Him for, you know, your co-workers. Not to say that you get along with them all, but you can thank God for them. Amen? Be thankful. Have a thankful heart. And then, before you go to sleep, say thank you. Vicky and I have have you know when we pray together at night, as we're about ready to go to bed or to sleep, we're in bed. We 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 pray and we thank God for His faithfulness for that day, and we pray about different things, and we're thankful. We we begin. Everyone say begin, and we end. Everyone say end. Every day with thankfulness. Just just make it a habit. Create a habit of being thankful. Check this verse out in Psalm 92. Verse 1 and 2, it is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to His name, O Most High, or your name, to declare your steadfast love in the what? Morning and your faithfulness by what? By night. Check it out. Morning and night. Morning and night. And then Lamentations 3.23 says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. How many of you are glad for that? His mercies never come to an end. They are what? New every morning, great is your faithfulness. Notice, notice morning and night, morning and night, morning and night. And then I'd like to take it a step further and say, throughout your day, see, once you get in the habit of doing it in the morning when you wake up, and at night when you go to bed, during the day, you can have thanks breaks. Or you just stop and say, God, thank you for this, and thank you for that, and thank you for this, and thank you for that. We're talking about developing gratitude as a lifestyle. We're talking about developing an attitude of what? Gratitude. Number three, the third thing you can do, I think, to set the rhythm of life, and to click your sticks together. This is just the beginning. This is not being complete rhythm, is say thank you to the people that you encounter. Say thank you say thank you a lot. Say thank you. I mean, when you show sincere thankfulness and appreciation, you build a bond with others. And when your relationships are good, you move into the rhythm of life. How many of you know that? Your relationships are good. Listen, if someone prepares a meal for you, I don't care if it's the you know you've been together thirty or forty years, when someone prepares a meal for you, say thank you. I thought I'd get a good amen from some of the ladies <laughs> or men <laughs> you know we take things for granted. people around our lives do things for us and 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 we just we just grunt you know <laughs> rather than saying thank you and being appreciative and having a grateful heart. We do this around our house, oftentimes, Vicky and I, thank you for this, she I'll go in and fold the clothes, you know, from the laundry, and um, as I'm taking them to the bedroom and then putting them away, she'll say, thank you, hon, for your help. I'm thinking to myself, she doesn't need to thank me, I'm part of this house, I'm part of this family, it's part of my responsibility too, but she does, and it hits my heart. And it makes me feel good. How many of you know what I'm talking about when that happens to you? And when she cooks, she's probably cooked thousands of meals, thousands of meals over our 40-some years together, 44 almost, 45, 42 married. And, uh, and I say thank you for that. Thanks for that. Thanks for cooking dinner, honey. What does it do inside of you? Yeah. Makes her feel good. Thank you. You get something for somebody in the house, you know, you get them a glass of water, and they say thank you. Say thank you. Listen, you ought to say thank you like a hundred times a day. Amen? Why? Because that, that really speaks to the attitudes of our heart. Amen? I mean, even if someone is doing a job that they're being paid for, say thank you. We did this, I did this at the hospital. I prayed when I went in there. Many of you know, because I, I posted it on Facebook. Pray that I'll make an impact in people's lives in this hospital while I'm here. And I pray, prayed for that and 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 was just very grateful and thankful for everyone and everything they did. And a couple of days before I was released, released, before I was discharged, felt <laughs> like I was in prison. <laughs> Um, one of the nurses was going to leave and she was going to be off for two days and she wasn't going to see me again and she came in and literally gave me the biggest hug I got out of bed she gave me a hug and she said thanks for being so gracious and I said oh what are you talking about she said you know what you're so thankful that the nurses fight over you (laughs) isn't that true and, and it wasn't, I wasn't doing anything. I was just gracious. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. It was simple. And you can develop that attitude of gratitude. I wasn't always like that. I promise you. I had a hard heart. I just expected everybody to do everything for me. I didn't care. You know, you, you owe me. Let's develop an attitude. See, this will set the rhythm. Let me give you five benefits real quick. I'm almost done. Five benefits of having an attitude of gratitude. First of all, thankfulness honors God. Thankfulness honors God. Anytime you say thank you to someone, it's honoring. It's honoring them. We need to thank God for everything we have and everything he's done and for just the breath that we breathe. Amen? Amen. Second, thankfulness builds deeper relationships. It's true. When you're thankful to someone that you know and you express it, there's just something that builds a bond between you. And sometimes it can even heal a hurt that's happened between you just because of your attitude of gratitude and the fact that you were thankful. Third, thankfulness strengthens my faith it really does especially when life stinks and you are still able to say thank you to god when things are going wrong when when things aren't going well like you want them to and you're still able to say thank you god for my life thank you for this thank you for that it'll help you identify whether or not you're you've got deep roots or you're a shallow christian when it comes to this thing called thankfulness. Four, thankfulness is contagious. Thankfulness is contagious. When you start saying thank you before you know it, people will start being more thankful around you. It's contagious. It's an attitude of gratitude. People will start to respond or reciprocate with thankfulness. And last but not least, thankfulness is a witness to unbelievers. This happened in the hospital to several people. They, they, they started to see that I was thankful and grateful, and they… and they felt good about taking care of me. And then they found out I was a Christian. And that drew them, and they started asking questions about my God in the hospital as I sh- was able to share my faith. So it's a witness. Rather than us being grumbling and complaining and upset all the time and critical, thankfulness is a witness. To the unbelievers. Amen? I mean, it shocks people when you say thank you when you don't need to or don't have to. So here's the deal let's have the worship team come. We can stand together. Over the next seven days, let's work on this. Let's start to get in rhythm, okay? Let's start to set the tempo over the next seven days in our lives. Let's develop an attitude of gratitude. Let's stop complaining about everything around us. Just being thankful. Let's lift our hands for just a moment as we worship Him, if we could please. Just, just would you just say thank you to the Lord? Would you just say thank you? Start to just thank Him for just your life and who he is and what he's done. And we need to thank God for who he is. Just thank him right now, right where you're at. Thank you, God. Just say thank you.